This is the Bulls on the Birds podcast episode number 14, coming to you from Chester County, where this past week, the Eagles took out Washington in commanding fashion. Nice touch. Nice <laughs> touch. Eagles had an awesome game. Let's get right into the encouragements. Let's start with the defense. You gotta love the pass rush this game. Nine sacks. That's unbelievable. That yeah. had to be way over the over and under line. And that was one of our concern areas. We had picked up so many edge rushers, and we had Brandon Graham coming back. They weren't even really pressuring the quarterback in the first right. two weeks. And I'll give you credit, DB. You called this one. You said <laughs> week three was going to be the unleashing of Hassan Reddick. Yeah. And I heard his name more in the first quarter yeah. of this week than I did in the first two weeks combined. I'm starting to become a convert for Gannon's scheme because he's really mixing it up. I think you mentioned versatility. Versatility earlier. was the theme of the defense. It was the word that we continually heard come out of his mouth in terms of what he was looking for in draft picks and free agency right. signings. And we were wondering why he was so heavy on versatility. Yeah, yeah. And it's beginning to seem like it's because he has multiple defensive schemes in mind. I would say we've seen a different defensive scheme each week. How do you prepare for a exactly. defense who can completely change yeah. their scheme like from week to week? <laughs> yeah, they're like chameleons. And you can only do that if you have versatility yep. in terms of the players. Exactly. Because if your players are one-dimensional, they can only really run one scheme. Right. Questionable the first week, but it's been masterful his last two weeks. It has been. I think and he's I, really mixed it up well. I agree. So Hassan Reddick was unleashed. He had one and a half sacks. One was a strip sack. He was just causing so much havoc in the backfield. Yeah. Brandon Graham looked awesome. He looks like he's back. He looks like he's back, man. And and if he is back, that spells trouble for the rest of oh, the league. Oh, yeah. Because his 2017 season was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. He was yeah. the one who ended Brady's Super Bowl comeback, right? Yeah. That was Brandon Graham. Yeah. Barnett picking up the fumble. The other thing that I love to see on our defensive line, we seem to have a really good rotation system. Right. And I actually read an article this past week. That's part of Gannon's defensive strategy. He not only just makes in-game adjustments, he makes play-to-play -play adjustments. He has one defensive lineman coming out every single play, whether it's someone on the core of the line or on the edge rush. All right. And when they come out, they give feedback to Gannon, and then the, when the next guy goes in for the next play, he has new feedback for the line. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, wow, so this is literally in-game... Change-ups. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Pony Express, man. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. That's a frustrating thing when... You have a coach who's too stuck in a method. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And he's not changing. I've been impressed with Gannon in the last two weeks. And I didn't think I would say that after week one. I kind of understand where a lot of those head coach articles right. were coming out in the offseason. There was talk of Gannon potentially taking a head coaching position. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was just dude, fluff. The, the guy but, had a horrible season as a defensive coordinator yeah. last year. And we're talking about promoting him to head coach. Yeah. But he does look like quite the strategist. Yeah. How frustrating do you think it was for Wentz to get sacked nine oh, times? That had to be miserable. That had to be the last thing he wanted. I, I think the only positive note he could pull out of that game was he didn't throw a pick. He didn't throw an INT, which is very shocking. Yeah, yeah, it is. You look at his numbers, most of them came the last quarter. He had 211 yards passing. I don't think he was over 100 going into the fourth quarter. Right, yeah. 
I think they were under like 80 yards total offense at the first half. Yeah, Yeah. first half. I think you're right. They weren't taking any big pass plays. I think he averaged five, less than five yards per completion. So, and every completion felt like a fight. Yeah, It, it felt like a fight for him to get the ball off in time. It felt like a fight for the receivers to get open. Right. It felt like a fight for the receivers to get any yards after the catch. Yeah. The Eagles' defense just made it very hard for the commander's offense to find any sort of momentum in this every game. respect. The only thing I think the commanders can say that they did a decent job was, the run was game. their rush game. Yeah, they were a little over four yards per carry. First quarter was nothing, nothing, and then, then the Eagles just went off on them. I agree. So our defensive line looked excellent, and once again, our defensive backs yeah. are proving to be among the elite set yeah, in and, the NFL. And there's already talk on ESPN and the NFL Network. I've noticed that, that our D-backs are really going national. Yeah. They've been shut down, and we talked about how up until this point, we hadn't played a team with three elite wide receivers. Right. right? The Vikings had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and a decent tight end. The Lions had DJ Shark, Amon Ross St. Brown. But the Washington Commanders had Jahan Dotson, first-round draft pick. Right. Curtis Samuels, and then Terry McLaurin, a pro yeah. bowler. And we were worried about, would there be a th- third cornerback for the Eagles exactly. to step up and shut down that all-star third wide receiver? Yeah, They were locked down coverage. Scary Terry didn't have any receiving yards until the fourth quarter, I believe. Yeah. Now, he still broke 100 in the end. Right, right. <laughs> but well, you know, a lot, a lot of, of it was junk yards. yards. Yeah. yeah. Eagles just shut him down all day, put constant pressure on Carson Wentz, so even if one of those three receivers could get open, I don't know that Wentz had the time to get him the ball. They had to be fast-developing players. Yeah. And on top of the D-backs looking so well in coverage, Marcus Epps continues to impress me. Absolutely. He continues to hit hard. He continues to read plays well. Yeah. And he, he reads coverages well, too. I noticed a couple times where he's clearly the deep man in coverage. Right. Going to help out something of a one-on-one situation. Yeah. And that was really good and to no, see. No hitch in that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really impressed with Epps. I see why they let Jaqueski Tart go. He's clearly stepped his game up. So switching to the offensive side, what were some of the encouragements that you saw on our offense? Devontae Smith just went to town. He went off. That was incredible. That one catch right on the one right yard on the line. One yard, the, the, yeah. deep, the deep throw was right. 44, 45 yards. He had to have 36 plus inch, inch vertical. No doubt. You know, going up for that. And no one was going up there with him. They no. couldn't. And nope. he had two guys on him. <laughs> um, and that's a lot of confidence in Hertz to put that yeah. ball up there for him. Hertz has a lot of confidence in, 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 in his own arm, but also in his wide receivers. Yeah. He's throwing it to A.J. Brown between two people over the middle. Right. He's throwing it to Devontae Smith in double coverage down the field. Yep. He clearly has a, a deep connection with all of his wide receivers. I think he targeted Quez Watkins twice, and both times Watkins got a pass interference call. Right. It seems like every defense is going to be on the run against this elite set yeah, of wide receivers I think that we so. have. And just as you mentioned, Gannon coming out with different game schemes each game, it seems like on, on the offensive side of the ball, Steichen's coming out with a little different wrinkle each week. Devontae Smith, week one, doesn't have any receptions. Right. Then goes for 169 yards. yards the next week. Yeah. And a deep ball in week three, which right. I hadn't seen a deep ball go to Devontae right. Smith yet. We had seen Quez Watkins. We had seen A.J. Brown. Yeah. 
We saw a couple of tight end screens this week, which are switching it up. Right. I think Dallas Goddard scored on one of them. I think the first yes. touchdown was a, a 14-yard tight end screen that, right. that Goddard brought in. Calcaterra got, got, got some action. A 40-yard yard reception. reception. And most of that were, I think, were yards after the catch. That's good to see because I honestly wasn't sure. He's got four tight ends. Jack Stahl. Stahl, Togiai. Togiai, and then Goddard. Yeah. So I wasn't sure how much Calcaterra would be getting in there. Is yeah, he... and there are some injury talks coming into this season. He had yeah, uh, right. history of concussions. Right. And, and A.J. Brown still had 85 yards. Right. It seems like a down day for Brown. Yeah. His 155-yard right. performance in week one, but <laughs> 85 yards ain't a bad day. Man. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. A lot of those yardage were clutch situations. Oh, yeah. Third down where we need eight yards for, to pick up tough. the first down. He He's just so drags, tough. Guys. Yes. Yeah. I said it last week, and I'll say it again. It's typical for wide receivers who go across the middle. You hear the phrase, you know, he dropped the ball because he heard footsteps. Footsteps, Yeah. But I'm telling you, linebackers and cornerbacks are hearing A.J. Brown's footsteps when he comes across the middle. I would not want to be such a dynamic presence across the middle. He is. He is. He is just a beast once he gets the ball. One encouragement that I take away from this game is Hertz continues to have a very effective deep ball. A big question mark at the beginning of the year, and every game he's coming out with some at least big one deep balls. Yeah. Whereas I think in this case he comes out with four forty-yard plus yeah. completions. Yeah, we talked about the Calcaterra run. He had a forty-four-yard completion to Smith, another right. forty-five-yard completion to Smith, a thirty-eight-yard right. completion to Brown. to Brown. Yep. And, and possibly two deep ones to Watkins were he not turned into penalties. Yep. Yeah. And we said it seemed like something of a fluke coming into this game that Hertz currently leads the NFL in terms of yards per pass. Right. Right. He had like nine point eight yards per pass. Yeah, 8. he's still 9. in the same spot. He's still in the same spot after week three. Yeah. So I really want to see that trend continue. He needs to establish his deep ball threat week in and week out. The other thing I love to see was he just continues to spread the ball. We have so many weapons, and we said, going into the season, we said, even though we have so many weapons, is Hurts going to be a ceiling on the utilization of those weapons? And I would say, far from being a cap, he's really been the catalyst that brings all these weapons into play. I agree. I'd say get Zach Paschal involved. involved. And you know what? Maybe that's the wrinkle this week, is is the unveiling of Zach Paschal more so. And Pascal does some things off the ball which are are huge. Not many improvements that you could make to this game. I mean, it was a dominant win. A lot of the improvements we wanted to see coming out of week one and week two, we saw. Right. We got pressure on the QB. Hertz continued to establish his deep ball. He was on target with his passing. And on top of that, he actually ran very little this game. He had less rushing yards than Wentz. (laughs) Wentz went for 22, and Hurts went for 20. (laughs) Right. And those were some scared yards from (laughs) Wentz, From Wentz. He was running away from from sure danger. One thing that we could improve from this game, I'd like to see us establish our run game a little more. I agree. Yeah. We We were outrushed by Washington, and I think we only averaged 3.2 yards yards or 2.5 yards per Per carry. carry. It wasn't impressive. No, it wasn't. And I know Washington's got a tough D-line, even with Chase Young out. Right. Hurts more than made up for it in the passing game. I'd like to see that as well. We'll talk about it later. This might be a tough week to establish the rush. So Eagles come out of week three. And the story is they are on top of the NFC East right? because the Cowboys did indeed take out the Giants in Monday Night Football. Yeah, they did. Now, going into week four, the only undefeated teams left in the league 
are the Philadelphia Eagles at 3 and 0. Right. And the Miami Dolphins at 3 and 0. Right. Dolphins take a loss last night to the Bengals. Yeah. So now the only undefeated team in the league are the Philadelphia Eagles. And if we can beat the Jaguars this week, we don't just stand on top of the NFC East. We stand on top of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that would be a beautiful thing. I don't think many people outside of people with their Homer hats on in Philadelphia right. <laughs> would have said the Eagles are top of the league come week four. Four, yeah. So let's take a look at this game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles. Sounds good. If some of the games on the Eagles' schedule are shaping up to be easier games than we thought, we talked about how our game with the Titans might not be as hard as we had predicted. Right. Our game with the Colts, Colts might not be yep. as hard as we predicted. Our game with the Colts, Cardinals. Colts are a tough team to get your mind around. They're 1-1-1. One, 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 one. Loss is to a bad team, but their win is over the Chiefs, right? Yeah. And their yeah. tie was to a half-decent team. But if, if most of the games have switched from being... Not sure losses, but games that we predicted were losses. Yeah, losses. They've kind of tipped in our favor. Yeah. And it looks like they're more so looking like wins. Right. Now, I would say Jacksonville is one game that has turned from what we thought was going to be an easy W to could be yeah. could be a tough game. I think this will be our toughest game yet. Jacksonville, believe it or not, they're on top of the AFC the, the, South. Yeah. At 2-1, and one, they're coming off a big win against the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. He smoked the Chargers, 38-10. to 10. Yeah. Justin Herbert was injured. Right. So I think the 10 points the Jaguars let up kind of have an asterisk. It would right. probably be more if Herbert's not injured. I think he had a rib cartilage injury. Right. But that game isn't a fluke because they shut out in Week 2. They shut out the Colts. Now, they did lose to the Commanders in Week 1, and I don't know right. how much of that has to do with just a, a new team with a new coach gelling making it all come new together QB, yep new absolutely. qb so let's get into some of the interesting matchups in this game if the most interesting matchup last week was hertz versus wentz yeah it's got to be sirianni versus peterson absolutely. this week right doug's coming back to town there's a lot of love for doug peterson in this town and i think the fans will probably show it i think he gets a standing oh he deserves it man he and, does. and if they don't really i does. would i would i would personally would be disappointed and yeah. usually you and you and i are all about philadelphia right. make it tough to come back to philly exactly but this is one occasion where yeah he's the only coach who's ever delivered a super bowl to the eagles yeah and he did it in his second season here yeah with a team that wasn't necessarily projected to go all the way right you can see a lot of comparisons between that 2017 Team Eagles, Eagles team and the Jacksonville Jaguars yes. now. I think they're one year removed. I yeah. think Peterson in his second year as a Jaguars right. coach next year right. will be an even closer comparison, but Absolutely. you're right. I think you're seeing its incipient form right now. Yeah. And I think it's proving that Peterson's Super Bowl run wasn't a fluke. Right. I think he's really going to make this Jaguars team a dynastic team or yeah. a perennial contender for the playoffs, yeah. if not for the AFC Championship. He really has turned them around. And they were Hart, in the dregs with Urban Meyer. He's brought stability, discipline back to that franchise. He's got a second-year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. First-year guys hold clipboards at, at QB. Yeah. And Jacksonville went away from that, which... They let I'd Trevor like Lawrence see. take his licks in the first right. year. Right, and he took a lot of licks and had some tough games. Threw some uncharacteristic INTs. Yeah, but he learned from it. He clearly did Yeah, because, because he, looks he looks really good. He looks really good. He really does. And just like our wide receivers benefit from our head coach, Nick Sirianni, being a former wide receivers coach, right. 
you got to imagine Trevor Lawrence benefits from Doug Peterson being a former QB's coach. Yeah, even not to mention a QB himself. I think that question came up in in some of his interviews with the Philadelphia media this week, and he said as as much. I think that's going to be a special relationship for years yeah. to come. Yeah. Now here's the interesting connection between Nick Sirianni and Doug Peterson. We said there is a clear connection between the Indianapolis Colts. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So Frank Reich, who is now the head coach of Indianapolis Colts, was Doug Peterson's former offensive That's coordinator. Right. That's right. And Nick Super Sirianni was Frank Reich's offensive coordinator yeah. at Indianapolis before we picked him up. So in many ways, Nick Sirianni is like the grandchild coach of, <laughs> of Doug Peterson in a sense. Yeah, he's in the Peterson tree now. He's in the Peterson tree, <laughs> right. <laughs> What's that game seven... Uh... Steps from Kevin Baker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Six degrees removed from Six Kevin Baker. Six degrees removed, yeah. <laughs> Sirianni's only two degrees removed from, from Doug Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Let's move on from the coaches to the players. Let's start with the Jaguars' offense versus the Eagles' defense. Okay. First question I have for you, DB, is does Trevor Lawrence have as bad of a day as Wentz had last week in terms of sacks? I don't think he does. Trevor Lawrence gets rid of the ball quickly. He's picked it up that you don't hold on to the ball. You get rid of it quickly. He's also a very mobile quarterback. We saw that at Clemson. He had some serious rushing yards at Clemson. He's also only been sacked twice this year. Really? Two sacks. So he's using his legs to either avoid pressure and just dump the ball off, take the incompletion, live to fight another play, or run the ball, and he hasn't done a ton of running, but when he does... It's effective. It, One of the complaints about Wentz historically has been that he holds on to the ball right. too long, and so I think that's something that Peterson is probably emphasizing with Lawrence. That's a good point. I actually read an article this week that said Lawrence is, I believe, seventh in the NFL in terms of the short release of the ball. Okay, yeah, quick release. Quick release of the ball. So to your point, the Eagles aren't going to have much time to get to him because he's going to be releasing it so quick. Right. So obviously you'd expect to see that sack number nine go down considerably. Yeah, that that would be a hard thing to uh... duplicate in (laughs) in week four. Yeah. The the O coordinator probably deserves firing if – the Eagles are able to duplicate that oh, yeah. same performance this week. I don't expect nine sacks this week. That might have been a special present just for Carson Wentz <laughs> from, from the organization. The Eagles, yeah. Now, do you think Gannon reverts to more conservative defense where they're not going after the quarterback as much like what we saw in week one or week two? Or do you think we see the foot on the gas pedal a little more and even though we don't get as many sacks, we're still going after the QB a lot? I think just looking at their offense, they've got twice as many passing yards as they do rushing yards. Oh, so they're a pass-heavy team. Yeah, they're a pass-heavy team. So I would expect to put a defense together to, to take the pass away. Make them beat you on the run. And that's going to be a tough thing to do against the Eagles' D-line. I expect a very low-scoring sc- game. Jacksonville's got a really tough defense. That matchup is the other interesting matchup between the Jaguars' offense and the Eagles' defense. It is not like the Eagles' defensive cornerbacks have had easy games. Right. Jared Goff's a good QB. Yeah. He had DJ Shark and Amon Ross St. Brown to pass right. to. Last week, we saw Carson Wentz with his three all-star wide receivers. Mm -hmm. 
And in week two, we saw Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen get completely yeah. shut down. And Kirk Cousins get picked three times. And Kirk Cousins get picked three times. Yeah, connecting with Slay more than he did with Justin yeah. Jefferson. <laughs> so it's not like the D-backs haven't been challenged. They have just risen yeah. to every challenge and overcome it in pretty stunning fashion. Yeah. So would you say different week, same story? This I think so. One X factor to look out for is Travis Etienne out of the backfield. Yeah. I've been surprised. We have not seen a lot of Etienne in terms of running, but they have utilized him, I think, at least eight times out of the backfield. If I'm the Eagles defensive coordinator, if I see Etienne come in, I'm thinking more so pass than rush. Right. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, or at least the, the Jaguars' offense is going to have a hard time running up the score on the Eagles' defense. Right. The one thing that scares me a little bit is Doug Peterson. Yeah. Philly, Philly. Does Peterson have something special for Philly? A second Philly special right. for Philly. For Philly yeah. itself. Exactly. <laughs> I bet you he at least has the first 10 plays mapped out. Yeah. Just like any coach does. Right. And they're going to be very effective and creative. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jaguars score a touchdown on their first drive. And then that be the only touchdown they score right. all game. You think he will have something special drawn up and it'll be in that Philly, first, yes. first 10 plays, that first uh, offensive series scripted out. Kind of announces his return. Before we move on to the Eagles offense, give me a couple themes that you'd like to see continue or begin on the defense in week four. I would love to see the secondary continue shutting Wide receivers down. down. Yeah. I think we're going to see the best quarterback performance this coming week. Compared to the first three weeks. Right. So the question will be, who who can get open for the Jaguars? For Lawrence. Yeah. If we can see that shut down secondary again, which I fully expect we will, that puts that much more pressure on Lawrence, but also on their running game. It showed they're very well balanced on defense. I'd like to see the theme of pressuring the QB continue. I don't want us to revert back to week one and week two. Yeah. Where we really weren't blitzing all that much. Right. And there just didn't seem to be much of a rush threat. It's almost as if there was no sense of urgency. But last week there certainly oh, was. Man. And man, if, if we can keep that going, it'll be a long day for Trevor Lawrence. The other theme that I'd like to see continue is... Gannon is putting a lot of trust in the cornerbacks, and they've won that trust clearly. Yeah. They deserve to have it. Absolutely. I think we're the number one team in terms of running man-to-man coverage. I yeah. think 40% of our defensive plays have been man-to-man. Right. Which man-to-man coverage is really dangerous, especially when you have elite wide receivers. Yeah. You're talking about Justin Jefferson being one-on-one. Yeah. You know, maybe 40% of the time. It's a lot of trust to put in a cornerback. Absolutely. They've been equal to the task. They've no been doubt. equal to the task, no doubt. And if they can continue that, it is yeah. going to be really hard for offensive schemes to get started against us. It's a huge asset that not many teams have the benefit of. Or if they do, they only have it with their top corner. Right. They don't have it with all three. Right, exactly. And to follow up on your keeping pressure on the quarterback, the pressure from the line relieves so much pressure from the secondary. Was that Bradbury? That was Bradbury. Yeah. I wonder how much of our wide receivers and our cornerbacks looking so good is this reflexive effect of Bradbury is going up against Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, or Quez Watkins in every practice. day in practice. Yeah. 
and Darius Slay's doing the same thing. And then on, on the reverse, AJ Brown's going up against right. Avante Maddox or James Bradbury. Or they've got to be improving every single yeah. day. That's a dangerous combination to have two elite secondaries on offense and defense. Yeah. Awesome. Iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron. Yeah. A- what better way to, to practice than the best going up against the best? And it's improved both of their games. We're seeing exceptional wide receiver play, and we're seeing exceptional cornerback play. Switching over from the Philadelphia defense versus the Jacksonville offense to the Jacksonville defense versus the Philadelphia offense, here's what's interesting about Jacksonville's defense. Not only are they a good defense, but they are particularly good against the run. Yeah. They've given up 700 plus passing yards. Right. And only 165 rushing yards. Right. We've given up twice as many rushing yards. Yeah, we're at what? 3 330. 330. Exactly double. And it's not like I We think, have a bad run defense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Our run defense has been pretty solid. Also, you've allowed the least points in the league. They've allowed 38. We've only allowed 50, but they're at 38 points ahead of in us. three games. Yeah. This statistic brings up this question. If the Jaguars are only giving up 165 rushing yards to their 700 passing yards that they've given up, what would you rather see the Eagles' offense accomplish? Hertz continuing his MVP play, absolutely lighting up the scoreboard and the stat line with the passing game, or the Eagles establishing the run game like we had last year? I think if we can establish the running game, that's a winning formula, and that's a formula that will also help Jalen Hurts continue to excel in his his game. In the first week, we saw A.J. Brown go off with 155 yards. In week three, we saw Devontae Smith go off with 169 yards. Yeah. And all three weeks, we've seen Hurts distribute the ball to all sorts of different weapons. Yeah. Whether it's the tight end or it's Quez Watkins or Brown or Devontae Smith. Who do you think comes away with the standout performance in terms of passing reception? You know, I would love to see it be Zach Paschal. Just as we've said, we've seen Gannon unfolding a new wrinkle every week. And last week it was Reddick coming out of yeah, the shell. And really- yeah, this could be the offense doing that in the week that Zach Paschal is, is unveiled to us. Either that or the second piece would be we really haven't seen a lot of passing game with our running backs. That's true. Miles Sanders has gotten involved in the passing game more right. than he historically has been involved, but it's still not much. The more weapons you show people, the tougher it is going to be to game plan against you. And then getting our running backs involved in the passing game, that I think that would really fill out our offense. So, themes you want to see continue or begin with the Eagles offense in Week 4. I can start us off. I just want to see Hertz continue to throw a good deep ball. Yeah. I have loved seeing him go deep. I've loved seeing him go deep to multiple receivers. Yeah. It hasn't just been Quez. It hasn't just no. been A.J. Brown. It hasn't just been Devontae. Right. He's gotten them all involved. And if we can continue to show that Hertz has a deep ball threat, it's going to keep defenses from crowding the line, creeping right. up on us, and that's going to allow us to spread the field more and more. Yeah. So I want to see that deep ball threat. I think his best deep ball game was last week. So yeah. let's have another one of those four yeah. 40-plus yard passes yeah. on the day to multiple receivers. That was great. And then, and then you add the two pass interferences against Quez Watkins to that. That was the one big question mark coming in is, is – 
does Jalen Hurts have the arm strength to throw a deep ball? Yeah, and clearly he does. Another thing I would like to see is a little less penalties. Yeah, that was good to see. They cleaned it up a lot from week two to week three. I mean, the Vikings game was kind of a nightmare in terms of offensive penalties. We talked about how even though the Eagles were statistically dominant, we really didn't beat the Vikings yeah. by all that much when it yeah. came down to the scoreboard. Penalties that stalled key offensive drives right. had a lot to do with that. Absolutely. They cleaned it up a lot in week three, but I do think there's still some cleaning they can do. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that point. Less penalties. Just like you've been saying, each week there's been a new wrinkle that's been added to the defense or offense. Yeah. There's been a lot of offensive creativity from week to week. Yeah. Different plays, plays that I've never seen run in a Philadelphia organization. Tight end screens. The draw plays were really yeah. effective in week two and in week three. So I just want to continue to see offensive creativity. If you can keep a defense guessing from week to week, it makes it all that harder for them. The other thing I'd like to see, we've been statistically dominant Every single in game. these games. I would love to see that continue and translate into more points even with the win over the vikings yeah if we don't have those three picks in the red zone if those actually turn to scores the vikings win that game 28 to 24 right as much as we just totally dominated the commanders last week 24 to 8 right all our points were in the second quarter something about the second half where we're not (laughs) but yeah we're right right something's not transferring from the first to the second and you know what it could be Taking your foot off the gas sure. a little. And I can see that from a coaching stance. Not not necessarily taking your foot off the gas. But, hey, let's let's work on the run now. Use more clock up. They've clearly, in the second half, pushed the run Slowed more. the speed of play down. Absolutely. And drawn yeah. it out a little more. Yeah. The last team that I would love to see continue, we talked about how the Eagles were really road warriors last year. Right. And they struggled to get wins at home. Right. And it was awesome to see the Vikings come into Philadelphia in week two and just have a hard time playing in Philadelphia. And I want to see that theme continue. I'm thinking of Trevor Lawrence. He's a second-year quarterback going up against an incredibly tough defensive line and defensive secondary. Right. Where do you hide? His head coach, who he respects a lot and seems to really have a good relationship with, was the former coach of this team that he's going up against, and yep. he won a Super Bowl with them. Yeah. So Lawrence should not have an easy game mentally coming right. into Philadelphia, yeah. and I hope the fans make it all that much harder yeah. for him. And I think they will. I think Doug gets the standing go, and then after that... It's all business, yeah. baby, <laughs> and right. Eagles. <laughs> yep, I agree. Well, kind of a, uh, a welcome to the league for right. Peterson and yeah. Lawrence. Kind of like it was for Wentz last week. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to Philly. Welcome back to Philly. You might not want to stick around. (laughs) (laughs) With that being said, what's your prediction? Do the Eagles leave week four the only undefeated team and on top of not just the NFC East, but the NFL? I'm nervous for this week. I'm going with an Eagles victory. I don't think it's going to be a huge scoring game because I think tough defense from Jacksonville – I think Doug's got that team on the right track. I think it's a very conservative game. I'm thinking like 24-13. That might even be a lot of scoring. I like your assessment. If there's anything that week three and then Thursday night football for week four has taught us, it's that it's very hard for good teams to consistently win week in and week out. The Bills looked like a team 
that were going to just completely train wreck yeah. every team they came into. They destroyed the Rams in week one, right. destroyed the Titans in week two, and then all of a sudden in week three, they get upset by the Dolphins yeah. in a game that looked really lackluster. Yeah. And it was the same story with the Chiefs. First two weeks, they looked incredible. That's right. And then they dropped one to the Colts. Right. And then the Dolphins, who took out the Bills right. this week, end up getting taken out by the Bengals. Yeah. So in the end, even though you clearly do have teams that are better than other teams in the NFL, right. there's a lot of parity. They're all professionals. The competition right. is very tight. And all it takes is really having one week off. And it's hard not to have one week off on occasion exactly. for you to slip up and lose. Right. And so there's always that possibility. I think the Eagles are going to come out on top, but this is not a game where I would bet the the line right. on the Eagles. Like I, I think right now it's at negative seven and a half. Yeah. Eagles would have to win by more than seven and a yeah. half. And that that might be a line where I tend to favor the Jaguars. Yeah. Almost as a reversion to the mean kind of thing. Like right. if the Eagles have played every week above what people have thought, right. a week's gotta come where they play below how people That's are going a good to point. Think. Yeah, I could very easily see this be a seventeen thirteen game. Let's just do a quick look around the league for some of the more important games this week. First off, at one PM we have the Commanders versus the Cowboys. I'll be watching that on DVR. That combination of DeMarco Lawrence and Micah Parsons yeah. is deadly, man. Yeah. People give Daniel Jones grief. I thought he had a really good game given all the pressure he was under. I agree. He actually looked a little Josh Allen-esque. Yeah. It might Th- be those were the original comparisons right. because I think they're the same draft class, Yeah, Allen and, and Jones, and there was a lot of comparisons between Allen and Jones, if I yeah. remember correctly. How about the Bills versus the Ravens? That's a powerhouse matchup, not just because the teams are both powerhouses, but Lamar Jackson won the MVP in 2019, and then Josh Allen won the MVP the in 2020 year. and 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the reigning MVP going back three years, both playing in this game. Right. The team comes away with the W, and, and what quarterback shows he's the real MVP? Wow. They both look human now that they've taken losses. Both of them losing to, to the Dolphins. To the Dolphins, right. Wildly different fashions. Yes. The Bills were behind kind of all game. Right. And they ended up just barely coming short in the end. Yeah. Whereas the Ravens got out to a huge lead and then just blew a massive lead right. from the second half onwards and ended up barely losing. Right. I'm going to still go with the Bills, though. I, I still think the Bills are the class of the AFC Miami has really surprised me. I would agree with you, except for the fact that not only do I love Lamar Jackson, but I've noticed he gives defensive schemes that are very typically solid on fundamentals fits. Yeah. Because he plays in such an unorthodox way. And I think of the Bills head coach, who is it? I think Sean McDermott, I think. Sean McDermott is very systematic, very standardized in his approach. You know what? That's a good point. And I think you could see Lamar Jackson's almost unorthodox manner of play end up really throwing his defensive scheme for a loop and him being unable to adjust. I saw that whenever Lamar Jackson played Bill Belichick in the Patriots. Patriots had a really hard time with Jackson. Yeah, good point. A defense like the Eagles, I think, would have a much better chance against Jackson because we're so versatile and because right. we seem to be switching it up week in and week yeah. out. So I'm going to go ahead. Point. I don't know if the Ravens defense will be able to shut down Allen. So right. I'll say this is another shootout like the Dolphins-Ravens game. Yeah. 
and it's like a 42-38 score, but the Ravens end up coming through. And one other intangible, Lamar Jackson's playing for a contract. Lamar Jackson's playing for he's, a contract. He's going to be on fire this year. He and already he has. already has, yeah. man. Yeah, he's playing with a chip <laughs> on his shoulder. Oh, yeah. Chiefs Buccaneers, the Sunday night game. This looks like a great game. This looks like a great game, and they're both coming off tough losses. Again, yeah. Where both QBs Another got frustrated. Yeah. Tom Brady was really frustrated in his game with the Packers, and rightfully so. I yeah. mean, 16-14, the Buccaneers should not have only 14 points right. in any game with the offense they have. Yeah, and I don't know that they've scored more than one touchdown in any game so far this year. That's pretty and shocking. He clearly misses... His wide receivers. Yes, and I think Julio Jones is still going to be out this week. Mike Evans does come back, though. That'll be huge. That will be huge. Now, Mahomes was really upset this past week when they lost to the Colts. Dramatic underperformance in terms of their skill level. So which team bounces back and which QB bounces back this game? I think both QBs bounce back. I did see Mahomes really go after his coach on I the sideline, yeah, which is very un-Mahomes-like. Yeah. Brady has just done it for so long. It's hard to bet against Brady. It, it really so is. Hard, especially with the defense that the Buccaneers have. Yes. I mean, people forget, yes, the Bucks came out with a loss against Green Bay. Green Bay only had 16 points. Yeah. So the Buccaneers defense continues their dominance. Yeah. I'm going with the Bucks in this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Bucks too. All right, DB. Well, thanks, man. Great preview and looking forward to week four where the Eagles should come out on top. That's right. Let's stay on top and go 4-0, baby.